Hey, welcome back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. I'm Colby, and I'm here with my friend Carter, and today we are talking about how to generate new ideas. Can you introduce it, Carter? Yes, this episode is kind of the sister episode of episode nine. So our previous episode, we talked about how to find creative inspiration. This episode is kind of very similar. It's dovetailing in a way. We're talking about generating new ideas. And so we kind of move. I, I really like this progression here. Finding inspiration. Okay, maybe we something stood out, right? We get captivated by something. Now the question comes, what are you going to do with that? How do you generate ideas? How do you generate specifically, right, new ideas? Let's say to kind of jump off from what we talked about last last two weeks ago or the last episode, you see something, you read something really powerful, you have a response to it, and you just feel something. You're like, ah, just something bothers me about that. What do you do with that, right? How do you get things moving? Like you obviously can't, I mean, you might write an article that specifically explains your feelings about it, but what if you want to respond with a creative piece of your own, right? You don't just you don't just want to copy what you just saw. Like you want to come and contribute something new to the conversation, right? You want to contribute in a way that is innovative and fresh. And so for me, one of the tensions that I immediately started thinking about was this drive to be original. You, you know, when we're thinking about creating new ideas, generating ideas, I think there's this pressure to like be original, not just copy what you've seen, not just respond in a way that's like very directed at it, but like come up with something new and fresh and innovative. And to me, I think sometimes that can be distracting. So I don't know, Cole, do you want to talk about originality? Like how does that play into how you think about coming up with new ideas? I definitely resonate with the pressure, that feeling of trying to make something that stands out, that's unique, that's unlike what's come before. But I also, uh, but yeah, I definitely, I think I see where you're going with this. And I think that there's a problem with that pressure because the, well, I'll say the way that I've heard someone recently talking about it is there's this transition from going and just copying to finding your own voice. So I've heard several different artists talk about this. Most most recently, there was a video by Nathaniel Drew on YouTube. He talks about, he's a filmmaker and um, traveler, that kind of stuff. And he was talking about how originally his music, his YouTube videos were were copying a lot of the things that were working in Matt Diavella's music vi- or YouTube videos. Because he was seeing him be successful and taking, he was trying to do his own thing, but it it just inevitably there were some similarities between them both, like the types of content, the type of people they were, the demographic of who, um, you know, like even the fact that I watch both of those YouTubers, it's kind of like there's a connection, like there's similarities, but over time, his he was just talking about how it was kind of a video about envy and that's honestly an interesting topic to bring in here if we're talking about originality because then you can have this envy and jealousy of like i wish i had that idea and comparison can become really messy but he was talking about those types of things and how over the course of the few past 6 or 7 years he's been doing youtube he went from kind of copying different things to 
finding a completely different style that is his own and is a combination of these other things. But I have heard it from him. I've heard it from John Mayer. I've heard it from other, probably from other sources too, like uh, Austin Kleon and the creative pep talk podcast as well talks a lot about this. Just the idea that we have to go through that early stage of copying, I think before we can find what our voice is in the middle of everything else. Can you like, what do you think about that? So good, dude, this is so good. So the tension, you really articulated it well. I think there's this pull for having your own voice, right? You hear that Mm -hmm. all the time. Like, What's your what's going to be your unique voice within a sphere, right? A sphere of craft of a craft, right? Mm-hmm. How do you find that thing that is distinctly you that's not just derivative or that's not just kind of an imitation of what someone else is doing? And so on one in, in one way, I think the conversation is dominated by that now because we really want to like push things forward. And maybe you really want, I mean, we live in a very atomistic, individualistic kind of culture here of like you, the individual, express you. Whereas I think that this idea of you being embedded in a broader tradition of your craft can get a little neglected. Um, the idea mm-hmm. that you are you are participating in something that has developed over, right? years and years and years and different iterations. And I think the impetus seems to be like, how can you break with that and do something avant-garde, right? All of modernism that I study, like early 20th century, art, poetry, novels, they're breaking with form. They're breaking with meter and rhyme. They're breaking with traditional, like Cubist, the Cubist movement. It's totally breaking with like Baroque painting. It's trying to do things right radically different. However, the really, really good modernist work is oftentimes, right, engaging with classical themes. And so like Absalon, Absalon, I mentioned it last episode, Faulkner is breaking with a lot of forms, but he's also using biblical Greek mythology motifs. Like he's appealing on this whole giant, you know, body of Western literature Mm. while he's breaking the forms. And so I think there's kind of a balance Mm. of, yeah, there's this pressure to be new and innovative. But there's also this kind of acknowledgement of where you're at. And I think that you're right to point out that it's specifically like we have to start imitating in a way. Like we have to copy still like an artist, right, Cleon? Like that's the place to start. And I think sometimes, at least I was as a young artist, and I'm still a young artist, but as a really young artist, um, I tried to skip that kind of apprenticeship of learning the tradition, right? I tried to say, okay, what can I contribute before I knew what was contributed already? And I think that can be a big like hindrance trying to be original. Like you don't know how to be original and you're not going to be original until you've like, I don't know, learned the space in a very rudimentary way or until you've Mm -hmm. kind of understood what's going on. Does that make sense? Yeah. You definitely have to find out where am I in the middle of all? It's kind of like if you're going to push back on traditions, you have to know what traditions exist. And then you can go in and say, hey, I've been around for a minute and I see a problem here. We do this. I'm not going to do that or whatever it is. But it's like you can only push back with authority, I think, or with real confidence in yourself if you have been around enough to 
absorb and you've done done the work to learn it's the classic learn the rules to break them quote exactly you know? exactly and there's a great essay by T.S. Eliot the the poet called in, uh, tradition in the individual talent and within that he talks about how and and Eliot was I mean he was pretty radical in breaking with uh, poetic form I mean the wasteland mm-hmm. is written in right free verse you know uh, it's got its structure but it's it's pretty avant-garde but he talks about how the business of, and this is a quote here um, from that essay, the business of the poet is not to find new emotions, but to use the ordinary ones and in working them up into poetry to express feelings which are not in actual emotions at all. And so how I'm understanding mm-hmm. that really is, right, it's not the business of the artist to go out and find something that no one else has ever experienced before. Right, because right, we've got a whole history of human experience. It's about taking those ordinary ones: love, fear, awe, wonder, um, horror. Right, it's taking these ordinary ones, and when you work them into your craft, they don't just become right. They're not just emotions. Like this piece is angry. Like they're feelings. Like feelings. I think how Eliot's using them is above emotions. Like it's a feeling that's timelessly human. And I think this is just such a great idea of here's tradition, here's what's bringing us here. Um, And our business as artists is not to just go out and try to find something that no artist has ever thought of before. Like you're going to have a really hard time doing that. Um, Mm. But to look at this tradition, look, and even if it's like very something specific, like people use, I don't know, what's a common chord progression or like a classic, uh, Oh gosh, you're putting me on the spot. Plug for song maps. Yeah, I'm trying to think. That would be a great thing to look at on song maps and to write about. Probably like, I mean, in pop, like, so I mean, I don't know, like six, four, five, six. I don't know, like one, like pretty much just like any combination of like one, four, five, six, and minor two, like those minor six, minor two. And one, four, and five major. Like those five chords, like you kind of put two or three different combinations together. I'm sure we could find some common songs in there. Yes. Okay. So I love that. So it's like knowing that that's going on, right? Your job is probably not to throw all of that out the window. But can you take yeah. those chords and do something different with them? Absolutely, right? Yeah. There, there still is this drive to find your voice in it, but you're not going to say, well, let me just come up with a chord that doesn't exist. I mean, you might, but like you may not. You may use a G and, and a you, D I would chord. Say, and if you go to a specific genre, like I don't know what those specific progressions would be, but I know that there's very specific ones. Like in jazz there's some like two, four, and there's certain like additional things you put on the chord two, seven or two, nine. Like there's different, there's each subgenre is going to have that like two or three things that are the most common sort of like tropes or ideas that go along with it. So I don't, just to expand on your idea, I totally agree that you, you don't, you don't go in there and say, I'm going to make the best jazz song. And then like, well, jazz is weird. So maybe that's a bad example, but I'm not going to go in sure. and say, I'm going to make the best pop song and then use all of these crazy chords that no one else is using. Like I'm going to make it with the, um, only with the seven chord and like, or I don't know, like the flat seven or just like all the, 
it's that's not you're gonna, gonna try like not pop song. Use, yeah like, you trying to use the only the chords that no one else uses it's just gonna be bad but like probably <laughs> so yeah totally. I, I just and c- kind of tie that into generating new ideas i think i went this way because we hear i need a new idea what's gonna be and our emphasis is yeah. on that squeaky clean polished new it's gotta mm-hmm. be fresh and it's gotta be out of the box where i think there's a drive that way, and that's good, right? We want to contribute to the conversation, not just do something that's been done before. But right now, for me at least, I feel like what's being neglected a lot of times is saying, well, what was what was wonderful about what, I don't know, Keats was doing uh, in structured rhythm and rhyme and meter? Like, what was wonderful about that? Like, it's great that we're writing free verse. I like writing free verse poetry. Um, but there is something, Robert Frost has got a great quote. He says, um, writing without meter and rhyme is like playing tennis without the net, which is this great, you know, contrarian mm. quote uh, from Frost. But there, mm. it's about taking those things seriously, I think. Um, and saying, okay, what was it here? And really understanding. And I think I, maybe I'm just trying to say it in another way, like you kind of uh, put it really pithily. You got to know the rules before you break them. You got like, mm-hmm. there's value in knowing them. Uh, and I think I'm always going to be like, hey, there's master plots, like thinking about like stories. Um, there's monomyths. There's these stories that never get tired, right? Slaying the dragon, coming up against uh, this. Un, you know, indomitable force, right? That's a story. Like you're not going to just throw that in the trash bin and try to do mm. something. I mean, we've tried that postmodernism mm. and these kind of like um, pushing, pushing high modernists. They've tried to throw out plot and have no narrative, but it's not really fun to read. Like, I, I don't know. I really hate huh. not having narrative. Um, and so it's not as if we have to throw out narrative, but it's about taking that and doing something different. I don't know. Any of that stick out to you? That was kind of a, another long spiel. No, that's, I love it. And I think taking it one step further, I think, uh, so we have this first idea that you have to sort of embrace the need for getting inspiration from other sources. And this is why it does tie into the last episode we did. And you have to embrace the need that you're not, the fact that you're not going to create something that is, you know, like I've never seen something like this before. Um, so that's like the first piece of this. The next thing that comes up in my head is like this idea of taking that creativity is like the con- the convergence or the combination of n- old ideas in a new combination, you know, like, so you have, yes. I like music and I like marketing and I make this third thing that combines both of those, or I like writing and I like fly fishing and so there's this combination of those two ideas and then you start to get down you niche down into something really specific or niche down into something really specific i don't know what your flavor is how you say that but uh, (laughs) is there is there an actual pronunciation like i don't actually know this that's a question we need people to write in on we need to do a poll on that one because i feel like i've heard some people say it depends on how you're using it i don't know Uh, but Uh, Friedrich. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so I just, that's just where my mind was going next was this idea of like, I've just heard people talking about, if you want to find a niche that is good for you, where you can kind of like become the best at it, maybe take two or three 
unrelated things that you like and find out if there's a way that you can combine cool. them or connect them. Synthesis. Yeah, synthesis. That's great. So, Dude, you're I don't talking know, what do you... dialectics right now. <laughs> a version Explain. of it. Uh, really? Well, what just, do you mean? Hegel's got a very, and it's debated exactly what, there's a school that I won't get into all this. If we'll do an episode on Hegel, if we have a hundred people respond on the email that we want to talk about Hegel, <laughs> <laughs> if we have a hundred people responding about anything. I'll be <laughs> exactly. But the idea of like there's a thesis, there's an antithesis, and they come together in a synthesis. And so this idea of mm-hmm. bringing something it's opposite, and they exist together in a way that the the sum is something more or different than the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, okay, let's, I think that's super practical. Like you just said, generating new ideas. Yeah, go for it. I don't want to back up, but I kind of want to back Send up for back. one more thought that I mentioned before we started recording. I just did this little like course, which was kind of just, it was all written. It was pretty much like a combination of blog posts, essentially, um, called Permissionless Apprenticeship by Jack Butcher, who's big um he he's recognized for creating visualized value um working in web3 space and nft stuff recently and a lot of he's essentially a designer who tries to distill complex ideas into simple visuals that's one of the main things he does and he does that really well so highly recommend checking out his work but in this course he kind of talks about the concept of doing things without permission with the intention of becoming better at your craft, f- kind of emulating the artists and the creatives and the icons that you look up to. And also as a way to get in front of some of those people too. Like if you're trying to um, make connections and someone's not going to open the cold email, maybe they'll check out the website you built for them or the or the poem you wrote that's kind of like tipping the hat at their work or that kind of idea. And so it's really just the concept. I think it's really the place I've seen that play out the most for artists is like designers who, you know, make a movie poster concept or redesign a a company's website. Or I just feel like designers are ahead of the game in how to do that. And some music production is another space where it's see it a lot just in the sense of people doing remixes, doing kind of like trying to remake songs that they've heard for themselves. I don't know. There's just like so many different ideas that can be generated from this idea of being the permissionless apprentice of someone from a distance. Like what, what do you think about that? And have you done anything like that? I think that's a great, great thought there. The one thing that kind of stood out to my mind, I did something kind of similar to that. Uh, a while ago, I did some uh, freelance writing for uh, Hook and Vice, which is a fly fishing company. Oh, yeah. And that kind of started with me just like DMing the guy. And like I rewrote a paragraph from his website and was like, hey, like I think I could clean up a lot of this prose if you're interested. Like this is the kind of revisions that I could offer. And that became like, mm. that was the entry. He's like, oh, yeah, this is, I like this. Like, can we do this? And so that was kind of like an unsolicited plug from me. Uh, of just like yeah. proposing and like doing just a little bit of work, like rewriting a paragraph. And it was enough for the person just to see it and be like, oh, yeah, I, I could, there's value here. Maybe, maybe we'll do that. Uh, but I love that idea. Yeah. I probably should have brought that up earlier, but I thought it was worth sharing just because it's fresh in my mind. And I think it's a, a really good practical way if you're either looking for inspiration or looking for new ideas to say, 
okay, let me just go find, pick two or three of my artists and creatives that I look up to. And then let me go and see if I can make a new, a new thing off of that, like combine their work with my fresh idea or my angle and then make something new. So like exactly. repackaging, rebranding, remixing, or just uh, doing something to improve it like you did. And just using that as like a creative exercise. I think that's a cool concept to generate ideas. Creative exercise. That is, that's a good title for this. So very close to what I was thinking about in my notes here of imitating someone's style. Like mm-hmm. even if you're not trying to um, like, I don't know, send this out, right? Publish yeah. this. Um, yeah. I've written a story like an artist or I've taken a particular rhyme scheme in meter and wrote a poem in that exact rhymes, you know, in that exact kind of structure. Like they're just good exercises for generating new ideas, even if, right, super, like even if it's just an exercise, right, it's not something that you're like going to go out and maybe it's very derivative because you're like actually imitating them. So maybe you're not going to do anything with it, but it's an exercise. So it's generating something. Um, Yeah. I think that's, well, I think think we're on the same page on that. I mean, definitely the, the, exercise does not have to be something that you're using to share or get a connection or, you know, it's just some of the things that are talked about, but I think that it's so such a good idea just to do for your own like growth and development. So I love that. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. Imitation is a great way to learn. So I have a couple questions listed out. I don't know what else you have to cover, but I've got a couple more thoughts. That I'd love to tap into, but okay, a little yeah, bit, like, it, a little bit off topic. One of the things that I wrote down, I wanted to ask you about was one, where else, I guess, do you look for new ideas? And is it true that ideas are cheap and execution is everything, you know? And have, I, I assume you've heard that idea before. Cause I definitely have heard that, you know, yeah, you may have had the idea for eBay and maybe none of us in our age <laughs> demographic would have, but I don't know. Like, you had the idea for this, but you didn't make it. So, you know, kind of boohoo. Like, this whole like ideas are cheap idea. Do you agree with that or disagree? Oh, dude, this is a great. I love that you've opened this can of worms here. I think in some ways, right? I was thinking about ideas in a different sort of way, kind of mm. back with our last episode of thinking about inspiration and amuse something that you grab onto or that grabs you and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I've got to run with this. Like here's a new idea for something. But right. There is this way that the idea if left on its own is going to die. Like it, it has to get like nourishment or it's just going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's definitely something there. Like what's, what's your take on, on that? It's interesting because you, so when I think of generating ideas, you know, one of the things that I started thinking of was like, I keep lists of stuff, you know, I don't have much on it, but I have like a list of business ideas, a list of, uh, I don't know if I actually have a list of song ideas. I should, (laughs) I, I don't know if I do, but I definitely have like a bunch of voice memos that I probably don't even remember and like half started beats that I didn't finish and, uh, Lots of just disorganized, like I don't have a great system to it aside from like a couple of those lists of ideas. So 
I so I've been, done a pretty good job recently, like with song maps and with uh, business ideas of every time I have one, just putting it and I know where I'm putting it in a document. And so like I can build up a list over time. And then when I have free time, kind of go back and say, oh, cool, there's, you know, I should do that now. I should do this. I'm going to delete that one. But there's just definitely that sort of problem of like, not every idea is going to be executed on and kind of that question of which ones are worth executing on. Yes. So yes, I know I haven't really answered, but I think that there's, of course, I think at the end of the day, anyone can have ideas and it really like the actual craft requires doing it and sitting down. So for me, that's making a song and not just thinking about it. But, uh, I think it's probably one of those, like maybe the question is a little bit too polarizing and it's just like right down the middle. Like you need ideas, but you need to execute them. And yeah, that kind of kills the drama of the question. But like, I, I hear the point from execution. And if you want to, if we're talking about being successful in the actual doing of the craft, I think that's true. But, uh, I also think like ideas, they may be cheap, but they're also something I'm just interested in because you you kind of can mine for them and dig for them. And I think you can practice like getting better at finding ideas by like another That's question great. that we can maybe dig into is how do you like test your ideas on like your audience? Like, are you testing out the song idea in front of people and kind of getting feedback or, you know, like I've been thinking about this more from a business perspective recently, like, you have an idea for a product, but what if nobody cares about it? Like you're trying to solve a problem and that, and people are like, Oh, that's a problem. Like I don't really mind doing that. So I don't really need your solution. Well then you probably are not going to make any money in that business. And so it's kind of like an issue of like from in the business world of like, you need problems that people care about. And so you need their help generating ideas. You know what I mean? So in that sense, like, it's not cheap. Like it's hard work to go get that feedback from people. But of course it's even harder to go and execute on that, those ideas once you get them. So. A lot of good stuff here. I was brought back with this conversation to our first principles. So create and revise. I think it's important to kind of remember not every idea is going to be a good one. Like there are plenty of bad ideas. And yeah. so this, I think testing to see what ideas resonate with others is a huge part of feedback for sure. And then also just like you have to kind of test your ideas anyway to see if they're any good. Because one of the things we talked about a lot when we talked about create was it's messy and you're doing all sorts of stuff that, I mean, they're just bad ideas, right? They're cliche or they don't work or they're just ugly or I don't know. Mm. It sounded cool in my head and then I tried it and it didn't really work. Mm. Um, and so there is a kind of a way that until you kind of get them going and see what the ideas have, you don't know whether they're good or not. And so maybe a way to approach yeah. this question is like, okay, the idea, I, I agree with you that cheap may, I think cheap's underselling that a little bit. Like sometimes ideas are very difficult and costly to come by. Um, mm. But an idea is undeveloped until you execute it or at least do something with it. Like you have to do something with it to see if it's any good. I don't know. You got to throw, yeah, okay. throw it in the lake and see if it swims or something like that. 
So this is, I've been on this Cal Newport kick because I listened to his uh, interview with Tim Ferriss. It's like three hours long, really interesting, recommend it. But he, in that interview, talked about how he will take like, I don't know how long, six months or a year to just write out over and over and over again his ideas that he's going to put in a book like the basic pitch for his book. He's going to take months of like talking to people, getting feedback, rewriting it, talking to people again, like pitching the concept. And then he gets it down over this period of time to this really tight idea that is like the concept for deep work. You know, like we are in a distracted age and we need deep, undistracted time to get work done in the and to really do the meaningful work that's going to make an impact. Like that turned into his book, Deep Work, New York Times bestseller, all the accolades, like, but he didn't just like pop, have that idea in the shower and then boom, the book's done. You know, like it was like this refinement. And I've heard recently someone else, Tony Fidel talking about Steve Jobs. He would spend, he never used notes in his presentations, like the famous presentation when he, you know, revealed like the iPod, um, the very first iPod, you know, a thousand songs in your pocket. And the reason Tony said the reason that he didn't have notes for that keynote was because he was writing it for like eight months and refining it with people and getting different feedback and seeing what was important and what wasn't in people's reactions, that testing and discovery and that tweaking was almost like putting the, the, um, putting the gold in the fire and refining it. You know what I mean? Or whatever the metaphor is, but good. Yeah. I, I love the idea Maybe it's not true across the board, but it's almost like maybe ideas just start out cheap and then they can become, they're an investment and you can grow them and develop them or it's a seed you plant and then you just see, hey, is this thing going to grow or is it, is it a weed? Like, you know, you're, you're kind sure. of like trying to grow it and then it, it can turn into a tree and something really meaningful. Uh, but I, I just like this idea of developing the idea and like investing in it. I like that a lot. So maybe ideas are immature when they start out. And like this idea of your work and refining it is bringing it to maturation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's growing like that kind of seed to tree. Like it's not cheap, but it is immature. Like it's young and it's fresh. And it's, you know, if we go back to that idea of revision and sculpting, like it's in its bulkiest, undefined uh, form before you've gotten Mm. down to the fingernail detail. Yes. That's I right. Resist I love that. that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I don't know. I think that's probably, I'm on, I'm on board with that. There's something about an idea in the beginning. It's not cheap. And so I like that we're, we're like, yeah, on that. But it is, it's undeveloped. It's immature. You have to do something with it, I think, to bring it and see whether or not this is going to, yeah, be something that you want to sink time into, effort, money, energy, all sort of things. Yeah. And if if you just accept the first idea that's thrown out, that can't be the best idea. So there has to be this phase of just, you know, it's like, where do you want to go for dinner tonight? As a terrible example, but where do you want to go for dinner tonight? It's like, you throw out one restaurant name and you can just be like, cool. Or you could like, well, what mood are we in and what, cuisines have we been eating recently and like what's our dietary needs and what uh are we where are we going to be after dinner in town and so 
it's like if you always just go with the first idea and just roll with that, then you're going to miss out. But there's this pattern of sculpting and like developing and drawing out ideas and testing them to see like if there's something there. Cause I think you can be too quick to commit to something and then it could just be a bad idea. And so you're like, Oh, I'm writing this song and it's just like bad. Well, maybe that's like, maybe it's okay to abandon that or, you know what I mean? Before you just keep wasting your time because you didn't like, or maybe you just treat that initial working on the song as kind of the beta test. Like, let me see if this works. And if I'm kind of like showing it to my friend and they're like, "Eh, cool, but they're never, their eyes don't light up. They're not smiling. Like maybe there's not anything there. I just think for me, I've probably committed way too quickly to ideas. And then I've tried to like make this bad song good. Sure. But it's like, I'm trying to put lipstick on a pig. You know what I mean? Oh, that's so good. And I think one of the things that you mentioned there was about numbers. Like you need to generate and so generate new ideas. Like mm. it's better. Like even with the I think it's a great metaphor of where you're gonna eat. Like it's better to have a lot of different ideas on the table because that way you can kind of compare them to each other. You mm. can do that act of synthesis that we talked about of bringing ideas together. And so like even like the number of ideas, it's helpful mm. to get a lot on the table. And yeah. I think you're right. Like if we get married to a really bad idea and then we're trying to drag it, you know, tooth and clawing, tooth and nail across, and it's just, it's fighting you the whole way. Maybe it's the idea that needs to get changed or, you know, even just tossed in the, in the bin. Yeah. It's like, I'm thinking back to, I don't really have a, I don't know. There's different songs where I'm like, man, was that just a bad idea somewhere along the way? We just didn't realize that. And, and we like, what is that? Uh, it's called sunk cost fallacy, maybe. Like, you know, the idea exactly. of like you just get so invested into something that you like think that it's worth it to just keep going, but you're already, yeah. you're actually losing all the time you already spent plus the time you keep spending. And so you're like racking up more debt instead of like getting your money's back or whatever. Yeah. That's good, dude. And so one of the things I was going to, if let's see, we're, let's see, what, what should we do? Do we have time? I was going to ask you one question. Maybe you just got to yeah, be brief. Let's let's wrap it up. Yeah. One more okay. question. Is there a particular moment or place or idea that you remember like how it came about? So thinking about generating new ideas, was there a project that you were working on that's memorable in your mind of like a place when a new idea hit or a way that you like wrote it down? Or maybe you were in a group of people and it was like the idea like, came together while you were talking is there anything that is like memorable for you of like a moment where a new idea was developing i'm putting you on the spot Mm, here that's a great question we can edit out any long pauses so let me just think for a second yeah (laughs) so repeating the question there's just the story behind a specific idea basically yeah or just like i didn't really ask it that well um the question is is there a time where you remember a place or people or an event where a new idea was born like a new idea came about so i'll say two things one i feel like for some reason uh going out to colorado like some years ago uh there's sort of this like mental image that comes up of just being in this town in colorado and then wanting to make 
an EP. I think maybe my first EP. And I took like the photo of a waterfall there. That was the cover. And so that first, that was like the first EP I ever made, Colors of Summer, which I think I've taken down. (laughs) But maybe you can find it out there. Uh, And that EP was like, for some reason, I do feel a sort of tie between that. I don't even remember if there was a trip though. Like I'm not hundred percent sure. So at some point I got those photos though. There were, I think there were a couple trips actually. I think we traveled to Greece that summer actually. And so there's these different trips. And then I just remember those. That's one of the reasons I think that airplanes and airports, like I just always, when I go on a trip, get that feeling of like putting a song out. I don't know why it's just this like emotion of like, Oh, I want to like express this thing and like emote, you know, by, dropping a song on Spotify or SoundCloud or whatever. So that is sort of one like general storyline that comes to play, comes to mind. And then the other thing, this is not really fully directly related to the question, but because it's not a place or time, but it definitely ties into this conversation. So my little side project song maps where I, it's basically a website where in a newsletter where I break down pop songs visually kind of draw a map of the song like the roadmap like chorus verse, chorus bridge whatever and then try to point out what is making the song work what's chord progression what mixing techniques sound design arrangement like all the different pieces and try to basically just point at like what's interesting about it what i like what i don't like and try to piece out sort of the frameworks that you can use in your own music production and so it's Um, the way that I came about the idea for that is I originally was just like listening to music myself with a piece of paper and kind of like doing just that drawing, like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and then like writing air, drawing an arrow to the verse and saying like, oh, there's the drum sound that comes in here. That's really weird. And like this section is like an extra measure long. So the math doesn't really add up, but it works. And they add this weird transition and you know, the chords right here feels strange, like you're special. Like, so I was just on a piece of paper drawing and then it over time was like this period of like, Oh, what if this was a website or what if this was this? And what if I made it this way and talking to people, getting feedback. And even since it started, like I've had several different designs of the email and several different ways that I've written the content and, it's kind of just this constant, like I feel like I'm using a lot more like discovery, getting feedback and then like iterating on the idea a lot. And that's been how I've found my way to the fully fleshed idea that I have now, but it's even still, I say fully fleshed, but it's like, I'm still trying to figure out what the heck this thing is. It's very new. So that was like probably over the course of a year or something, just like, little by little refining that idea and it's still being refined. So I feel like that's just a good example of um, how I've used that kind of refining and am using that refining. And also I just wanted to give a plug. So worked out. That's excellent, dude. Yeah. And so I think that's good to remember as well. Generating new ideas can happen over long iterations. Yeah. Like song maps, I think it's a great example of like, you almost layered, like you had like the big idea. And then mm-hmm. as you prodded and matured and kind of started pushing on it, 
like the it got more refined, but also you I think you brought in new ideas, right? That idea generated other ideas, which generated other ideas. I think there's a actually there's a great John Steinbeck quote. He talks, uh, he says, ideas are like rabbits. You start with a couple, and then before you know, there's tons of them all around. Um, mm. And just this idea that if you get one or two, sometimes they just end up, you know, fracturing and, and being the source of new ideas. Mm. Did any places come to mind for you, real quick, before we wrap up? Or any ideas? Hmm. I remember particularly. I guess it was a couple summers ago. Summers are great times for me because I get a little space between semesters. And uh, last summer when we were spending it with my grandparents in between the move from Christiansburg out here to Lexington, Kentucky, it was just being up on the mountain, being around my grandfather, thinking about life, thinking about his 80-some years and the example that he has set, the craftsman that he is. It was just rich. And I just remember doing stuff out in the yard with him and, you know, you know, driving the tractor and picking up leaves and tinkering with stuff in the basement, trying to fix things. Like that was just such, again, it was just such a time where ideas were emerging out of experience, you know, ideas of beauty and of mortality and of life and of spring and richness and green and, um, stone and in building things, all of these sort of emotions and feelings and experiences mm. and the history and where we are and where he is and where he's been, all those things kind of reverberating together. It was just a time that was really, really cool. Mm. So yeah, um, that one stands out in my mind. I think we both kind of mentioned how, you know, with you going to um, trips and Greece and all these sort of things, ideas come from living at yeah. last episode with creative inspiration, I think some definite, definite parallels with last episode. Yeah, definitely. Well, are you ready to share the quote of the week? The quote of the week is from Paul Tillich, a 20th century uh, theologian and philosopher. And he writes in his book, The Eternal Now, there may be some among you who long to become creative, in some realm of life, but you cannot become or remain creative without solitude. One hour of solitude will enrich your creativity far more than hours of trying to learn the creative process. So this one, in one way, is a jab against us talking about the yeah. creative process. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Is like, dang, so like, stop listening because we're at 45 minutes. <laughs> Don't stop listening. Uh, That's funny. That's a really good quote, man. How would you define solitude, I guess? This one stood out to me because I think going back to Cal Newport and deep work, it's something that I easily, and we've talked about this kind of with monotasking back to Mm -hmm. some older episodes, it's easy for me to break up my work into small little distracted bits, right? Do a little work, go do something. And this idea that being alone, investigating what you're thinking about meaningfully, and just, you know, being alone, like whether that's reading or working or sitting or playing music, like something where you're free to kind of explore what you're wrestling with. I think that's probably a super simple way to generate new ideas. 
like just taking some time, like not watching something or not scrolling through something or not going to do a task that is very, you know, clearly defined of a chore or something. Like just taking time that's intentionally open and you're alone and there's kind of freedom to explore things and be curious. And um, yeah, I just love the simplicity of this. Like getting alone, that's a great application, I think, for generating new ideas. I love that. I think we can end on that. I mean, that's that's so good. It's such a simple idea and it's it's a little it kind of pairs with the idea of like you have to live life, but you also have to breathe and take be alone, you know, and not be busy all the time and not always be doing things. And um it's just like in our culture, in our life today, in our world today, I think the idea of slowing down, putting the phone down and having deep rest and slow moments by yourself is something we have to fight for. It's not going to be the, um, you know, status quo. Great place to end. This is one went a little long, but some good content, man. Yeah, I'm loving it. And this marks our 10th episode. So if you're here listening, thanks for sticking around for 10 episodes. We're excited to get to the next 10, next hundred and, and beyond. And, um, if you have any feedback for how, how things have been going or what you want to hear next, topics that we should talk about, ideas that you have or pushback on our ideas, we would love any of that feedback. And um, yeah, just excited to be here. And I would I would do this if, if only one person was listening because I just love talking to you, Carter, and having a great time. And, um, you know, the one or two people who to be fair, are my friends, <laughs> but to the one or two people who haven't have told me that they've listened, you know, it's been encouraging to just hear that they're enjoying the conversations and that that has been meaningful for them. So yeah, and I'm we're having growing. fun with it. This is yeah. great for me too. I think both of us mutually, this is a encouraging exhortation to continue to think about these ideas. And there's a lot of kind of mutual sharpening. And so we definitely invite you into that. Send us your ideas, send us the tensions that you're thinking about um, because yeah, this is really a place for creatives to be and explore and deal with tough things. And yeah, we're, we are inviting you in because we're definitely figuring it out here. If anyone's interested, we can set up a link where you could, record your voice and kind of like have a little piece of audio on the podcast so we could actually do sort of a live question type thing or not live, but some actual inserted audio questions for people. I think that could be cool. If you're interested in that, send us an email and we can get that set up. Can we um, call it the mailbag? Yeah. The mailbag? The mailbag. Like have a mail, mail day where we get yeah. a, a yeah, listener. Let's do, it. let's do it. Just like a little housekeeping spring cleaning day where we drop, drop all the questions. That sounds great. Nice, dude. This has been awesome. Well, we'll see you guys in the next episode and thank you for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth n-e-w-e-l-l design.com and you can follow her on instagram at elizabeth is a designer if you like the show there's three things you can do to help us out first subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes 
Second, send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show. Uh, really, word of mouth is going to be the, the number one way we grow the show in any way. And three, if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com, H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.